My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 35 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. Hey everybody, we have a cracker of a show lined up this week with the winner of the big one at Eco Trail, Gavin Byrne, who romped home in a new course record in the ADK, joining us later on in the show, as well as the coaching guru himself, Rennie Borg, talking to us about how to approach the new base period post your A race. Everybody, get your running gear on, let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show and great to talk to you all again. I hope you're all recovering well from all that fantastic trail running racing back home in Ireland over the last couple of weeks, whether it was the Seven Sisters, Kerry Ultra and of course Eco Trail in Bray and Wicklow there about two weeks ago now. And what a great day that was. It was so good to talk to some of the listeners. Many thanks guys for coming over to say hello. It was really great to meet you all in person and thanks a million for all the positive comments and coming over to say that you listen to the show during your long runs during your training sessions and guys you don't know how much that means to me so thanks a million for everybody that did come over that day in Bray and I hope you all enjoyed it as well I know Paul and Rennie who were the main driving forces behind that of course with Fred in Wicklow Tourism as well they put an awful lot of work and effort into it over the couple of months leading up to it so a big thank you to them and I hope you all enjoyed the race um, apologies guys that I'm about a week behind schedule this week I took a little break from the trails over the last week or so and I went up to Belfast to run the Marathon Road Championships um, for my club Raff Arnhem with some of the club mates there a good friend of mine Mark Ryan who I've been running with now for 17 years side by side Mark was up there with me as well and we were battling it out and the two of us just missed out just missed out on a podium spot I was fourth overall and was in third place up until about a mile to go but fair play to Colin Heron who just stormed home and timed his marathon run to perfection and just got in for that bronze medal just at the end Mick Lossie, of course won it comfortably in a super time on a very very tough difficult course I think Mick won it in about two hours 20 minutes but I must admit guys I missed the well organized um, trail running races that I've become so used to over the last couple of years whether it's at home in an Ireland with Eco Trail or some of the races that I've been working at in France in Spain which are just so well done so well managed and I'm sure you might have seen some of the, con- the comments about Belfast it was an absolute disaster disaster of an organization and I don't mind saying that people were queuing up for three hours to three and a half hours the day before the race on their race number and in the towards the front end of the race on race day itself two cars came at us out on the course Uh, Gary O'Hanlon was sent the wrong way and we were going after him until somebody told us to get back to onto the right direction of the course and a very very tough road marathon as well it was more like a trail race at times with the hills 
because that was in it. Um, so just to miss out on the on the podium there was a real frustration. And then we also later found out that the AI decided not to award any team medals as well, which myself and Mark and our Farnham teammates were battling for and which we thought that we had won gold medal in. Um, but it turns out that there's no team medals available and AI decided not to tell anybody before the race. So a real frustration there, guys. So um, I must admit, I'm looking forward to getting back to the trails over the next couple of weeks and avoiding the cars on the, on the buses out on the roads. Guys, a big thank you as well to some of our Patreons who have come on board over the last couple of weeks. Anisha Piatek, who was one of the Eco Trailblazers who did so well in Bray, who ran her first trail race. Thanks a million, Anisha, for coming on board. David Doherty as well, who just came on board there in the last couple of weeks too. Paul Stevenson, one of my club mates from Farnham, and Dan O'Keefe. Thanks a million, guys, as well as all the other Patreons that are there supporting us throughout the year. And if you would like to support the podcast, please do go over to patreon.com Trail Running Ireland and from anywhere between three euros a month and six euros a month you can help keep the show going guys let's call in Rene and let's have a chat about what to do now that some of our A races are finished hopefully we're all happy hopefully we all did well and we're thinking about what to do during October November and December before we maybe start to plan for some spring races and don't go anywhere guys because we've got a fantastic interview with the winner of Eco Trail Gavin Byrne the fantastic trail runner that Gavin is coming up as well take care guys for now chat to you soon and let's call in Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland Rennie Borg from Running Coach Ireland and Rennie fresh from some great work in Eco Trail Wicklow there just two weeks ago now. Rennie, how are you doing, mate? Hopefully you had a, a few days rest and recuperation after that busy weekend in Bray. Yeah, no, not, not quite all, but we have, you know, because there's a lot of event aftercare. Uh, yeah. but but i have tried to kind of land the plane gently yeah you know because i i think if one thing you learn when you worked in it as i did many years ago is that when you come off these kind of very busy periods leading into a big project deliverable you know which which a big race is um you you kind of have to be careful not just to crash afterwards uh which which often happens you know we used to have these crazy month and 16 hour days you know in june and then July, you just get sick. <laughs> you just be to- totally dysfunctional and non-functional for for two weeks. You know, most of your work would be would be real subpar. Uh, but thankfully, it hasn't been like that. Oh, actually, I'm positively surprised. Um, and maybe it was just because the day was so uplifting. To be honest with you, you know, the we we got up quite early, as yourself probably did. You know, yes, as, as the master of ceremonies. And so it was a very long day, and we also had a very good celebration. So it was also a very long night. And uh, but I think there's still a bit of the buzz in, you know, to see to see an event happen pretty much as normal, and to you know to to have everything go right. That was important, and any kind of small problems that we had on the day, you know, is something we can learn from, or things that you know. Don't, don't matter too much in the grand scheme of things you know that that's kind of an organizer's dream that it goes like that you know and uh, so very happy not too tired and uh, just looking towards the winter now where i think that the pace for everyone will be a little bit slower 
Yeah, and that's, I suppose, our topic for today, Rene, that as we move towards the winter, um, a lot of our listeners, they've maybe done their big A race that they had down as their target for the autumn period. Coming into the autumn period, during the summer, during June, July, August, people maybe would have been building up towards Kerryway Ultra. Eco Trail, Mourn Skyline, the guys in the Irish Mountain Trail Running Club, they had their special weekend last week as well. They did a 22K and a 42K. So now maybe people are maybe in a little bit of limbo. Rene, they've done their, their A race, they're a little bit tired, and they're maybe asking themselves, okay, what do I do now? Do I try and look for a bit of patience like I'll have to do, Rene, over the next couple of weeks and go back to a base period or do you keep on racing? Or what advice, Rennie, would you have for the listeners who have done their, a, done their A race? They're happy how it went, but maybe they're feeling a little bit fatigued, a little bit tired, and not quite too sure what to do. Yeah, we were talking, we talk a lot about base period, and, and this, the year kind of comes full circle now, you know, and so do the topics of this podcast. And um, for most of the people who did, especially the longer races in September, we are kind of prepping them now to go into the base period mindset, you know, and what I've been telling most of them is I'd like you to take a kind of 10 to 12 week period or three month period, you know, depending on what you prefer to think of it as and ring fence that and say, this is going to be my winter base. This is where I won't have too many races. This is where I'll, you know, focus on more process oriented goals. You know, we'll come into that a little bit, uh, but that means not so much about, as I say, impressing yourself or others on Strava or, you know, in on, on all the platforms with your amazing paces and your amazing CRs and all these sort of things. You kind of have to leave that aside and say, I'm just going to go back to basics, lots of relaxing um, or relatively relaxing work to set myself up for a successful 2022, you know, and to recharge my batteries. Um, but maybe before we go the whole way down, there are a few people who are coming off races that are not quite as long. Uh, they're not quite yet ready. Uh, they might have one or two cross-country races that they're doing at the moment, so they don't want to go into base period, you know, just this Monday yeah. coming. And for them, what we usually do is um, what used to be called before kind of a road racing, cross-country racing season, and what I call the mixed period. And that's just a period where you, you keep a decent amount of volume. Um, your workouts are not too heroic, but you do a few more. If you do a few more races, you know, be they some shorter hill races, cross country races, a few road races, um, you might not do them every week, um, and you might not attribute super importance to them. You know, you're just kind of knocking off a little bit more energy, and then. But I would still set a date in your head now to say that's when we stop this crack. And we begin the winter base period, you know, and that could be the first of November for you. It could be the first of December. It doesn't really matter as long as in your mind now you ring fence about three months worth and say, this is when racing really is going to take the back seat. And, and I want to, to prepare for the next season. And I yeah. thought that's what, that's what we wanted to talk the most about, Owen, because I think the whole kind of racing season, we've discussed it a little bit already. Yeah. Um, and if you're in a mixed period right now and you want to continue it, you can just follow the advice from those podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, Renee, now it's probably a little bit of self-discipline and patience, isn't it? Because, you know, we've come off our A races that we had in mind and probably in the first couple of days, in the first week, 
there's still a lot of adrenaline floating around the body because there may be, hopefully the race went well. It was such a great experience on race day, running with friends, club mates. You got the result you wanted. And you could be very tempted to sign up for another race in maybe two or three weeks' time and say, oh, listen, that went so well. I'll recover in two or three weeks and I'll go again. But that's maybe when we fall into a dangerous area where injuries can very quickly happen. And all of a sudden, instead of having a good quality, healthy base period, you could be out for two or three months. So it really is, I think, in this these couple of weeks right now, it's about being patient, being self-disciplined, letting the body recover from that massive anabolic um, uh, effort that it did, whether it's Eco Trail, Kerry Way, more and and just let it recover. Let let all the waste flush out. Let all the muscles heal back up. And do some easy, easy, easy work before you begin your proper mileage. Yeah, exactly. You know, because what I think what we see a lot is that people they somehow have a disrupted winter, you know, and it could be for many reasons. It could be over racing in the winter. It could be because they happen to pick up an injury or they have too short recovery after, let's say their marathon and their ultra, they rush, they rush into training and then they pick up an injury. You know, this is a very typical kind of chain of events. And then your base, your winter base becomes either disrupted or it becomes very patchy. And that means then you, you, you then find yourself coming in Ireland, for instance, towards March, April, and your winter volume average is not, great uh, but the races are arriving in the calendar and you start jumping into some of them because they are there and you soon then find well actually <laughs> my fitness is not so good or my body is not so well conditioned for these races so it take long it's i take longer to recover after each of them or you pick up niggles after some of them and then you're kind of in this negative cycle you know and then you what often ends up happening is you spend most of the year just trying to manage those problems um or you might have that you come to the summer and you're a little bit beat up, your fitness is only okay, and you're thinking about your autumn marathon. And now you have to try and get a big base in because you've already had a disrupted year. Your winter wasn't great. So you can kind of see it's it, it all traces back to the winter not having set up a solid platform for you. You know, yeah. and I, I, I say winter, obviously, if your main goal is in the winter, you can just invert everything I just said. But for most, yeah. you know, for most people, they kind of have two goals in the year you know they want to race well usually in the spring and then in the autumn again some people want to race well from early spring throughout the summer you know for instance if you do all the hill races but all of that benefits from a good solid winter because then you're strong most of the kind of setbacks that might happen in races you're more able to you know recover from them you don't need to do as many kind of aerobic refreshes because you're, you're, you're coming off a bigger base, you know, so if, even if you feel stale, say by the time you get to July, uh, maybe a quick four to six weeks of good volume will bring you right back where you need to be. Yeah. You know, so that, that's kind of the mindset we'd like people to take in if they think this prospect is boring. And I, I think as we should say, not everyone actually finds it boring. Uh, we have a good few personality types that they're really looking forward to this time of year because the pressure, you know, the pressure of performing is gone. The pressure of having to come out and, and really run high intensity workouts is not there. They can just do their, their who, who used to use this phrase, they say they, you can just be a distance bomb, basically. You know, you just go out and, and plod and you don't think too deeply about every single run and uh, there, no one is watching you, maybe except Strava. So, you know, that, that's up to you whether, whether people feel that's pressure. 
Sure. Um, just maybe to give a, a real life example, Renny, from one of the pro athletes that I know, um, my Spanish friend Pablo Villa, who is a professional Adidas trail runner. Um, he's just come off his trail running season. And I spoke to him yesterday just in our English class. And he's off to Fuerteventura for the next 10 days. And he will do nothing. He will be at the pool, he said, doing a bit of surfing, maybe having lots of buffet dinners. And he's a pro. And he's very much looking forward to this 10 day period. And then he'll go again and he'll build up towards some big races, maybe in January or February, and then go again for UTMB next, next summer. So imagine really that we've done our say easy three to four weeks. I think maybe for most trail runners, three to four weeks should be enough um, of resting, easy, easy training, lots of self myofascial release if possible, as in on the roller, some self massage. So after that period is over, Rennie, what are we talking about? Are we are we talking about maybe some of the the examples from the US collegiate system over the years where you mentioned yesterday in our conversation that the coaches they send out their athletes to do a thousand miles over the summer? In our case, it's November, December, and January. Or what do you think might work best? Because other coaches might recommend doing some speed work in that early period as well. Does it depend on each athlete or or, or what have you seen worked best in your own experience over the last few years? Yeah, well, you, you need to keep the, you need to find a way to keep this, uh, the leg speed work in there. But let's just table that aside for a quick moment, because what you touch on with is this idea that some uh, cross-country coaches in the US say, well, lads, look, you all go away for the summer. Those who do a thousand miles get a t-shirt. You know, that, uh, what those coaches are doing with that little trick is they're trying to focus people on the process. Um, you know, I know a thousand miles is an outcome, but it's not a very specific outcome, right? And you, you're just saying, go away for the summer, run a thousand miles. Uh, I would probably, you know, for most athletes, I would set a time goal because for, for you could say a thousand miles if you, let's say you're a club coach in Ireland and you say, lads, let's have a little focus this summer. Let's forget about PBs and races and everything. You know, we are all going to run a thousand miles over the winter. But if you do that, you obviously need to give people a more of a flexible time frame, because for some of us, a thousand miles in 10 weeks, you know, is, is way too much, right? Because that would be a hundred miles a week. Uh, so if that was the goal you threw out there as the coach of a group, you would need to make sure that some people had say four months or maybe more. Um, so it might be better to say, well, lads, um, we're going to have a competition. We're going to rack up as many hours as we can. You know, and we will have a little dashboard and uh, we'll see how people are doing, which you can do, for instance, with tools like Strava, you know, because you can have a club group and you can compare the weekly volume. Uh, whatever it is, it's just important that you kind of just put a very loose volume goal around this period that you've just ring fenced, you know, of maybe about three months. And, and that's your kind of aspiration. So a thousand miles, if you're very good, could be it, but it could otherwise, let's say, for someone who is more in the middle, it could be, say, they might look at a 10-week period and say, oh, last year I did six hours on average. I can see that in my training records during the winter. This winter, I'm, so that's 60 hours. This winter, I'm going to aim for 70 hours or 70, 65, whatever it is, as long as it's, it's a little bit exciting. You know, it's just that little bit of a, it feels like a step of progress. So that's kind of the first thing you've put in your mind. You say, okay, this was my previous winter base. Next year, I want to be better. Here's a slightly bigger goal, but it's very, it's, it's still very vague. You then know the rules by now, if you've listened to the podcast. So one of the rules is 
uh, that 90% of the volume should be in zone one and zone two. So that means easy, but that still leaves you a good bit um, to play with. You know, you have 10% of that to do your leg speed work and to do, you know, a little bit of fart leg so that you don't forget maybe what does 5K pace feel like? What does 10K pace feel like? Or just because you might be on a run where you want to express yourself a little bit, just, you know, out of pure boredom. But the, the basic focus is, is that volume. And that means what you're really looking for to achieve that, especially if you make it just a little bit challenging. Don't make it so easy that you, can, that you know you will do it with no effort at all, because that's, that's not going to help. But what you really have to do to achieve a goal like that is consistency. And that's what we are really after, right? That's the process. So if I set myself a slightly hairy goal, I'll need to do the right things to achieve it. So that means I, won't, I can't run too fast. I'll have to do a bit of mobility work maybe in between my runs to make sure that I'm not so sore the next morning that I can't do it. I probably will need to go out run most days, you know, at least most of the days I normally run. So I can't be constantly missing days because this or that gets in the way. And that's another process goal that you could set. You could say, well, for my winter, my goal is I'm going to get out five days a week. That's non-negotiable. That's my process. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that dictates then the rest, but you can keep that very feeling-based because your goal is to get out five days a week and to achieve, hopefully, by the end of it, a certain amount of volume. And within that, then, you, you will hopefully make the right choices, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I might just emphasize, Renny, one of the points you made a couple of moments back was in terms of, for trail runners especially, that we shouldn't be looking at our weekly mileage, I don't think. It's more what you said there, the time that you're running. Because naturally, if you're running up and down trails and mountains, a 10-mile run on the road might be maybe anywhere from what, from 60 minutes to 80 minutes but a 10-mile run in the mountains could be an hour and a half to two and a half hours. So, you know, we can't be trying to look for, well, this we want to hit 60 miles or 80 miles. I think it's more realistic for us trail runners to go and say, well, I'm going to make sure that I get six hours done per week. And that might be an hour, four days a week, and then a two-hour run on the Sunday. And that's a concept that I first saw with the Spanish trail runners here, Rene, that they weren't talking about miles per week. Like I'd been used to coming from a road background in Ireland, of course, the, the, the typical, uh, would you ever reach 100 miles a week? Is that ever possible? They were talking about, oh, well, last week I did eight hours trail running, and then I did six hours on the bike. So a combination of 14 hours or whatever it might be of aerobic work um, and a very important concept, because if you're chasing miles, I think that's maybe where the injuries can come in as well, because you're pushing and pushing to try and get to a 70 mile target or an 80 mile target. And that can maybe be um, risky as well. Yeah, and of course, you, you could make that mistake with time as well. Right. So that's where having that kind of flexible mindset. As yeah. part of this process, it's important that it's when you're doing base phase, uh, that day to day it's relatively comfortable. You know, you can be, of course, a bit tired at the end of the, the longer efforts, you know, let's say 90 minutes and two hours. You know, it's normal to feel some level of fatigue. But, you know, this sort of desperate exhaustion that we have at the end of long races, that should be nowhere present. Um, and, and that is a measure is that whenever you can feel, well, I'm falling apart here, you know, then it doesn't matter that today you had aimed at 90 stop before 
because we are trying to achieve consistency, you know, and we're not going to achieve consistency if you flog yourself, because then, you know, the next day is going to be really bad. So it's better than you can probably make it up, you know, over the next few days because you, your energy will, will wax and wane. But in general, it's a good principle to go yeah. by duration. I actually learned it very early as well, because one of my first coaches, she was very religious about time. And, you know, she said, your body doesn't know how many kilometers it's covered. It just knows how long it's been working yeah. for. And, um, yeah. and I thought yeah. she, she, she is right, you know, and of course, because so many things change day to day, and especially on the trails, but like even the wind could, could or heat or something could be a factor, you know, and then it's, it's just much easier to say, well, uh, I'm aiming for roughly seven hours a week is going to be my average this winter. And that's a little bit of a push for me because I used to do, let's say, six and a half. So I know I'm going to be fairly sensible. I have to be fairly sensible with my volume. Um, because if I'm not, I'm not going to be able to increase to what will be a higher average than normal for me. Um, and at the same time, you can use that now in this kind of bridge period we're in right now. You know, you have to step into that gently. So if you're targeting, say, a seven hour average, and you've just come off your rest period after the race, you know, and you're down at two hours a week, use the next three weeks or so to do a few retests, for instance, of some of the tests we've talked about, like aerobic threshold tests, just to see where your fitness is at before the new base, and then just slowly ramp up the volume to where you'd like your new base phase to start. You know, and obviously, if, you are, if your average is going to be around seven hours, you don't start at seven hours. Because some of the weeks in this will be higher and some will be lower. You know, so maybe the first week would be about six and then you might have six and a half, seven, and then maybe you'll have a step back. This is something people can sit and work out for themselves. You know, just even they can do it in Excel, they can have a coach to it, or they can just roughly estimate, you know, if in the early weeks of my 10 to 12 week bakes, I'll be below my average. And in the later stages, I'll be a bit above. You know, that's, yep. that's how it should play out if you're getting stronger as you progress through the program. If you can't do it that way, it's actually, then you know that it's already, you're taking on more than you can chew or that you're running each of the runs in the week too fast. And just maybe one final topic, Rene, before I get to my last question, which is about whether it's okay to race or not in this period. One topic I, I think that's maybe worth just focusing on for a minute or two is the importance of restoring neglected paces because i'm sure like a lot of runners and this happened myself as well for my big race there last week the belfast marathon for people who are preparing for big ultras it's very easy to focus on making sure that we have the ability to finish so therefore we're concentrating on our endurance our strength but we might end up neglecting our maximum speed, our 10K pace speed, our 5K pace speed. And as I said, Renny, that happened to me. I think it's one of the reasons why I just missed out on the podium in Belfast last weekend where I came fourth because I couldn't um, lift my pace up from marathon pace to 10K pace to 5K pace over the last couple of kilometers because over the last couple of weeks, I was just making sure that I was staying healthy and making sure that I could finish the distance. And I neglected my, my maximum speed. I neglected probably my, my 5K speed. So this is a chance over the next couple of weeks for all of us to maybe do some uphill sprints, to get back our, our fast switch muscle fibers and short repeats of faster running just to restore basic 5K and 10K pace because we've been doing so much mileage and so much long runs over the hills, this is a chance to get that back. 
Yeah, you work the weaknesses early in training. You're far from the race. And if just remind people that, you know, there's only really two aspects to your performance, which you kind of outlined there, you know, in different words. One is the supply of energy you can create. And the second is how much force are you able to express? You know, power is what we often call it. Uh, they are two qualities. They're the very two basic qualities that everything else comes from. So in the base phase, you're always trying to raise your power. So ability to express force to the very maximum. And you do that with things such as strength and conditioning, strides, hill sprints, plyometrics. Um, good mobility is a part of that as well, of course. Yeah, getting rid of injuries because you can't express a lot of force if you have an injury in your joint. You know, it's, it makes sense. And then the other side is all this zone two and zone one because that's what creates the availability of injury and a little bit of touching the anaerobic system, as you say, maybe a little fart lake here and there where we just kind of tick off 5K, 10K, 10 mile pace. So the body remembers and so it can still recycle some lactate, you know, which is another energy system. Again, it goes with that availability of energy we want all of the energy sources to be available so not totally untrained for 12 weeks um, and because you have to do that now you know you have to create these basics because by the time you get into your specific period which was, was leading into your marathon you need to you know that that's what you're using then and then it needs to be practiced to be useful and that's often, you know, the missing element. And we'll probably be talking about it in three to six months time. You know, once you have a high level of power output and you have all this wonderful energy supply from the aerobic system, then you need to practice the rhythm of, say, 3K paces, 5K paces, 10K paces. Because if you don't do it at all, as you said, the moment you then try and go there, the mind is like, I am not familiar with this pace anymore. You know, this rhythm and coordination of this exact pace has become alien to me. Um, and then it's inefficient, of course. And that means then that often if you're tired as you are at the end of a marathon, it's not an option. But yeah. the, the foundation starts now. And uh, I suppose it's a very long way of saying that, you know, work these two edges, but at the same time, don't be afraid to add in tiny doses of varied pace everywhere. You know, you just have to not, don't, do it as an interval session, you know? So if you're putting in a little bit of 5K pace in your base or even doing a race for the crack, you can't treat it as seriously and you can't be flogging yourself saying, okay, this is five 1Ks. I'm going to run them exactly at this pace. And if I, if I don't hit the pace at what feels like 5K, I'm just going to push harder until I do. You know, that mindset has to be gone at this stage. You know, yeah, it's, yeah it's, more, it's more you're out there on the trail, you feel a bit good, you're thinking, okay, I've just done all running easy this week. I'm just going to pick up the pace for two minutes to 5K efforts, see that I can still do it. That's the sort of attitude, basically, you're looking for for, the, for those 10 to 12 weeks. Yeah, and you touched on it there, Renny, that I think if there are any races that we are doing through November and December while we're doing this so important base period, it is about just maybe just going out and enjoying the race, isn't it? Enjoying the crack, especially over the winter period and the Christmas racing as well is always great fun because I think as we get older as well, and I think the, the age profile of trail runners is kind of into the late 30s, early 40s for the majority of, of runners and um, even beyond Rennie as well, that as we get older, there's only so many times per year we can really go to the well and deliver a big, big performance. So we need to save those for our maybe two A races per year. And we can't be going to the well and asking the body for a big, big performance 
every two months or every six or seven weeks that, you know, any racing that we are doing now, just maybe go into fourth gear and not quite fifth. Yeah, exactly. Like Sebastian Coe had a go. He used to say that when they raced in this period, they just called it information. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. And it, I, it's, it can be hard, you know, because a lot of people have a bit of a, I don't know exactly where it comes from. I have been the same, but you have this tendency to judge themselves, even when they race during a period where they know they're not meant to be in peak form and still they flog themselves mentally, you know, and, and so that that's something to let go. Uh, off you know you really can't judge yourself during this period you know whatever happens happens just let it go and um, it's important you know and focus on being fast for the a races and some of the b races well it's many let's see what um the winner of eco trail gavin Byrne, the 80k let's see what he has to say about whether he's doing a base period or not now after his great win there in Ray a couple of weeks ago Rene, and um, that was a really really great segment thanks a million for that if anybody wants to get in touch with Rene, you can get him of course on runningcoach.ie he's on instagram and facebook of course too Rene, thanks a million. enjoy your own kind of rest period over this week or two and i'm sure you're looking forward to getting into your own base period as well I am, yeah, and enjoy that hot Grand Canarian sun now over the winter own while the rest of us here are preparing for the cold wind and rain. <laughs> Plenty of warm weather training for me, thankfully, Randy. Okay, listen, I'll talk to you soon, and I'll go and get ready for Gaff. All right, talk to you all. Bye-bye. Brilliant stuff there from Rene, as always. And let's keep the show going. And this man needs no introduction. He's got an incredible set of honours to his name already. Wicklow Way record holder, Kerry Way Ultra winner, Eco Trail 80k winner, and he has no plans on stopping. Let's call in the fantastic Gavin Byrne. Gavin, great to have you back on the show. You're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I'm cheers for having me back again. Thanks a million. Yeah, and nearly 12 months to the, to the week, Gavin, this time last year we were talking to you just after you won the, the KY Ultra and you were on Joe Duffy Live Line. So I'm not too sure if Joe called you again after winning the Eagle Trail, did he? No, no phone call from Joe, no, no, no nothing this year, no. Yeah, but at least, you know, you're 12 months down the line and it's another big win under your belt. And I suppose coming from, and we can talk about this now, the disappointment of the result, and let's get into that in UTMB, to come back from that and get the win in Bray two weeks ago, you must have been really delighted to come back with such a strong result. Uh, yeah, I was over the moon to come back and win the Eco Trail um, and get a good result. But like, I have to be mindful when I say disappointment at the UTMB because most people would be, um, would be glad to finish the UTMB, never mind run it in, I think it was 31 and a half hours I ran it in. So yeah, so it was disappointment for me, but for everyone else, I'm sure most people would be delighted. So like, you know, you know yourself. I was just disappointed with myself during the whole race, just me performance overall. But then, then I redeemed myself in in the ego trail. Yeah, sure. If we go back maybe a couple of weeks and to Chamonix and to, to start the interview there, Gavin. I mean, as you said, like. <laughs> You know, you were, I think, what was it, 129th or so out of 1,500 finishers. So yeah. you're still up there in the top percent. It's still an incredible run, an incredible achievement to do that in the 31 hours, as you said. 
But I know from talking to you beforehand that there was great competition and it's great to see great competition amongst the Irish runners that were there. Um, Ian Keish, Brian Buckley, Joe O'Leary, Mickey McPeak just came in uh, two hours behind you as well. So wonderful in a way to have that Irish competition there. But I, I know probably everybody there, certainly the likes of yourself and Ian would have been looking <laughs> for that first Irish person home, um, you know, to, to have that feather in your cap. So when you were, be, before the race, when you were planning, Gav, what, was that the, the race strategy to, to try and make sure you were first Irish person home? Or was that even top of your agenda? Was it more about getting a good time, getting a good overall position? Or maybe just talk to us about what your pre-UTMB race strategy was. Yeah, I suppose what I wanted from the UTMB, it's, t- it's so, it, well, like, it would be nice to would it, to be the um, first Irish person finished, but that wasn't the main aim. It was the the main aim of it was for me was to try and get around the course, um, like in, in comfort, like try and not struggle, try not have mistakes, try and learn, and try and have a good race. Where, where I finished didn't was irrelevant really, in my opinion. How long it took, I kind of wanted. I did want a good time. I wanted to run as well as I could run, but it just didn't go that way, um, unfortunately. A few of the lads that finished ahead of me, that doesn't bother me. You know, they're great runners. Like, if they're ahead, they're ahead. There's no no big deal. Um, but for myself, I just felt like I underperformed. I could have done better. There was loads, loads of little things that bothered me from the very start during the race. Um, like, um, I'll give you an example. So once we took off, I had, I was actually using a, a pack this year, the Salomon Sense pack. And sure, the way you pack them packs, you put the squish the stuff into the top. I mean, had a lot of kick, but within the first few minutes, then the first hour, half an hour of the of the race, stuff were popping out of the top, and then I had to stop, pick it up, and reorganize my kit again. Then it was happening again, and there was little thing. And then that's that from the very start. Then I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a good day. And then there was another thing. Then I went to take out my poles. That was in the first two hours, say, you know, the running poles. Um, and, and you pull the poles and there's a little clip in them and it clips and locks the pole. And and the clip was broken. And I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm here in the Alps for another 31 hours and my poles are broken. I thought, so, this, 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 this isn't going to plan. Like, I just felt like I was completely underprepared for kit-wise and all that stuff and even, even training-wise. So I was, I was a bit annoyed with myself from, from the get-go, you know? Yeah, but you must have incredible mental strength. And I suppose, Gav, we've all seen it over the years at this stage that you do have incredible self-determination to get through all these challenges and and ultra races that you've competed so well in and won in. But I mean, in moments like that, when there's kit falling out, there's kit breaking, um, you see one or two of the Irish lads push on where do you get the strength to keep on battling the mountains in UTMB? Do you, can you just, is it easy to push all those problems aside and, and you just try and enjoy the experience? Or are, are you self-talking to yourself? What, what are you doing to, to get through kilometre by kilometre and all, what is it, 170 kilometres, Gav? How do you do it? Yeah, it's um, funny enough, like that, that, that day, that particular day, I felt like I didn't have mental strength. I, like I was really giving up on myself. Uh, like I, I was thinking, oh, I'll drop out here, I'll drop out there, I'll drop out there. And you get to the next checkpoint and you go, I go on to the next checkpoint and I go on to the next checkpoint. And 
like, but you just have to remind yourself then. I'm after paying to come here. I'm after flying all the way to France. Um, it costs a lot of money to go to Chamonix, as you know. It's not too cheap over there. Like, so it's your holidays, and 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 the aim of your holidays it was to finish that event. So you just have to keep that in your head as well. And then you can also think, right? If I don't finish this event this weekend, that means I'm going to have to come back again. Not that I don't want to go back again. It means I will have to come back again to finish it. Um, so that like little things like that helps, and then. And then, uh, and then I happened to be bumping into Sean Stewart, a great runner from uh, Donegal. And yeah. I was bumping into him, him in the checkpoints all the time. And then I got chatting to him and then he was saying, no, we'll keep going. And then we crisscrossed paths for, for hours. And then eventually then in the last 10 hours, we just said, look, we'll just run together. And uh, so we ran together. I, I used his crew man then alone and he helped me get through it. And then... Um, Later on then, when I started to get daylight again into Saturday, I had a uh, Paddy and um, his girlfriend, Elnor. So them two then helped me then. So I had a good team there, like between Sean and, and the three crew people. They, 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 people like them just well, just make it easier, you know, especially like Paddy and, and Lone and the top crew men, you know. Yeah, I know they're brilliant. And I mean, you were able to get through the mental battles then. Like, were there any physical battles, Gav, where say, you know, the hamstrings went or the quads went, or you just felt like just getting sick and physically not being able to do it? Was there any low moments with the yeah. legs, buddy? No, not not major, major low moments um regards physically. I had a few a few little blisters and that, but uh, Ah, that just happens, you know, like it does make things slightly awkward. I kind of underprepared mentally for the route or for the whole for the whole race. Like I, I underestimated the challenge, you know, I like I had a few good results over the years. I had a great result, say, in Chamonix in 2019 in the TDS. So yeah. I kind of I kind of just thought I'll just run that well, you know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't plan to have a bad race, and it wasn't the worst race, but it wasn't the best race by far. So uh, I had never. I haven't. I just hadn't planned to, to, for for bad for bad times. So, but just blisters, really. General tiredness from ultras and uh, slight demotivation um, at times. Yeah, yeah. But as you said, then when you did get to the finish line. There was a great Irish crew there between the support crew that you said, the other lads that had come in and finished, the likes of Ian, Brian and Joe, Richard Noonan and his family there as well, and lots of other Irish there too. And there was a really great atmosphere there, wasn't it? Lots of Irish flags around. And so it's great to see, what is it, one, two, three, four, five people in the top, five Irish in the top 10% of the big one, of the big UTMB. Oh, it was brilliant to see. Great, it's a great result for, for, for us. We don't even have that many ultra runners in Ireland, uh, yeah, in some places. So it, it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, it's good to see them all getting in, in in good times. Like Joe had a great time, Brian, Annie, and a great time. Everyone had great times just to finish. And then you had a few others that were still behind me, but we had we had good results, like which, which was. Which is, and a couple of weeks afterwards, Gav, where everything is settled, you know, you've done another race now as well. Like, are, you, are you up for another challenge? Do you think next year in UTMB, would you have another time in mind? Um, what do you think? Is there another Is there another 170 kilometres in there? Um, I've, I've, I've been looking at other races. Um, 
I've been looking at other races. See, Colombia aren't sponsoring the, the UTMB anymore, so my automatic entry is, is, is not there no more. So um, there's plenty of other races on the, on, on the, around the world. So I, I might, I'll have a good look and I might pick something different. I was, looking, I was already looking at one there called the Swiss Peaks race, and they have plenty of uh, different distances. I know um, Gavin Hennigan, he, he did the 100 mile there a few weeks ago and had a great result, came fifth overall. So maybe something like that, something different, something a bit more low key. I love the low key kind of races, so it'd be nice to do something like that, you know. Yeah. Okay. But well, listen, post UTMB, um, you went on and you won Eco Trail only a couple of weeks after UTMB, and I'm sure you know there's lots of people looking for your your tips on recovery. And I know from talking to you just before Eco Trail started that it was just quite straightforward, Gav, wasn't it? It was just you just rested. <laughs> And yeah. nothing major, no, no secret pills or medicine or just, just rest. And yeah, then you just, were ready to go and the body was able to put out a big one. Yeah, well, I've done a few little things different. I, I took a week, uh, at least a week off of generally all activities. Now, I did do a bit of walking around the park or whatever and, and catching up with friends and going for slight small walks. Um, yeah, rest of the week and then... After a week or two, I started jumping on the bike then. and hadn't been on the bike in a long time. So I was enjoying the, the bike, the road cycling up towards the Sally Gap and that. And I actually think that, that did help me because I remember my first time on the bike after the UTMB and it was probably my first time road cycling this year, going up one of the hills and I was thinking, my God, I don't remember. I don't remember ever being this hard to cycle up a hill. Yeah. out of me, you know? So stuff like that. And then I'd I done a, bit, a few long hikes and I didn't just put pressure on myself to go back running. Like, you're not going to forget how to run, you know? So in the week leading up to the Eco Trail, I just done um, one or two um, fast kilometers, nothing major, like, and just kind of went into the race with very little expectation. And yeah, just hope for the best when I turned up at the start line. I was in two minds when I didn't even go to the race, but I had an entry, so I said, I'll go there and see how it goes. Yeah, uh, but what... What I'm hearing from what you're saying is that it's so important just to respect maybe the first week or so after a big race like that to do rest, go out and see friends, chill, take it easy. But then what worked for you and what will hopefully work for other people listening in is to start walking, to start doing some you know easy casual hikes in the mountains, get on the bike, and then maybe yeah. after two or three weeks, you're ready to run again. Yeah, that's it. Like I, I actually... I, I hadn't done much strength work this year either. So I just started doing stuff like that. That's basic strength work in your sitting room kind of thing and a slight bit of mobility. Now, I did that after about two or three weeks because I was as stiff as a mule. And um, so I done little stuff like that, you know, basic strength work, sit up, squats, all that kind of thing. Um, just, just, to, just to get the blood flowing, you know. Um, yeah. really well, well, I have to say, I remember when I saw you at the start line in the morning of Eco Trail. You know, I thought you looked really lean and really fit looking. So, you know, it wasn't a surprise maybe then when you did have such a strong run that morning. And when the gun went off and off you went, Gav, um, did it take a while to get going over the 80 kilometers or did you did you move into the lead straight away? How did the body feel as the race progressed? So it was good. When I first when when we first started, I found myself at the front um straight away and, and and i remember chatting to a few of the lads before i was like i don't want to be at the front leading this race straight away the next thing i'm at the front straight away 
I was tipping away and I was looking behind me, hoping a few lads would catch up. So in the end, two lads came along then. I think Rory was and Shane, I think their names was. So they ran with them to the end, to the start of the hill, start of Bray Head. Uh, and then they took off up the hill. And I was like, oh, this, is gonna, this isn't going to be too easy. So we ran along then. And uh, they kind of, I always kept them in my eye, but they built up a lead of 100 or 200 metres. And I teamed up. I would have been in joint fifth with three other lads. So it was grand. Now we were just tipping away there for a while. And a few others, another two caught up with us, Fabio and uh, some guy from Tipperary. So there was a few of us in the pack then. There was two ahead and then five behind. And I remember they were having a good old chat for that. And I remember saying to the group, I said, out of the seven of us, because we were doing a solid pace. I was like, there's no way. I said, at least 50% of us in this seven. So half of us. Uh, are not going to be in the top 10, top, top six, um, even so. And I don't think, I think, I think out of everyone that was there, maybe Fabio was the only one that finished in the top 10 out of the seven of us that were there. Uh, wow. Which was quite funny because, you know, I just knew what was going to happen uh, because we were doing a decent clip and I could tell by the style of the way the lads were running up hills and stuff. I was like, ah, this isn't, this isn't going to sustain too long, you know? Um, yeah. Which was, which was which was good enough for me like yeah yeah um, and of course you went on and you got the the course record Gav I don't know if that was in your in your thoughts on the day itself I think Joe Warren in 2019 ran 7 hours 59 minutes Joe of course is is one of the top 800 metre and 1500 metre track runners over the last nearly 15 years now real quality athlete and he gave eco trail ago as his kind of a bit of an adventure for him onto the trails and he, and he smashed it that day so you broke his record by what by six minutes I but of course i think this year had an extra kilometer and a half or so as well oh, it? so yeah. it's a good 10 minutes faster than that from than joe's time right okay i didn't know i had an extra kilometer or so um, yeah, I think yeah, was there, there was a few little, I think, um, crossroads that need to be adjusted, I think, on that time from Joe's. I think that just to be confirmed, I'll double check that with Rennie and Paul. But I think most of the courses had to be adjusted just for a few little safety reasons um, requests right. from the guardian and that. So, yeah, an extra kilometer. So I think so, Gav. So, yeah, yeah. so you smashed the course record. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, a major um, target, really, to be honest, because I, like, I, I didn't know. How the race was gonna go? I, I, I was happy enough to have a good run, um, but when I got to halfway and I, I, I kind of knew by the pace I was at, I think um, I can't remember the exact times, but when I was at halfway, I think I had ten minutes spare in the bank. If if it was an eighty k route, I had ten minutes in the bank, so that would have meant I was finishing at seven fifty roughly. So mm. I kind of I knew I knew my times and I knew where I was at and I knew all I had to do was sustain the effort level I was at and I was ahead of. Uh, Joe Warren's time um, yeah. it became a target at halfway alright but at the okay. start definitely wasn't a target you know yeah and I'm sure Gav you still must get great joy great personal satisfaction when you when you cross a finish line in first position and I suppose what, what's the greater joy to complete 80 kilometres or to get the win oh just, I don't know it's hard to know just to just to, on that particular day ah it was both really to, to to finish and then to finish well is is it was was two wins for me that day and um, just proves I can I can recover quick enough and I can um, still race reasonably well um, after such a big challenge um, four or five weeks before you know. 
Yeah. And what's the, the plan now for the winter time, Gavin? Is it kind of have you gone through the same recovery process that you did post UTMB with Eco Trail, back to walking, cycling, or are you back into kind of normal training, a base period, or any any other races coming up before Christmas? Yeah, so I was back with an easy week again straight after Eco Trail and then I got out for um I go out hiking sometimes. So I done a big six hour hike with a group of people and so that's quite good, got me going. And uh, back back doing a bit of running this week and back doing the mobility work this week and a slight bit of strength training. Um, but I have, I have a big race now um, uh, this weekend. Oh, not this weekend, Saturday week. Saturday week. So what I'm doing for the first time that I've never done before is the Belfast 24. So I don't know whether you're aware of that race. That's um, 24, yeah. hours, 24 hours around a one-mile loop. Wow, and all in the flat, of course, Gav, as well. Yeah, Victoria Park in Belfast. So, I, I, you know what? I don't, I don't even, I, I know nothing about it. I haven't looked much at it. All I knew, I've signed up. Um, I've asked Richard Newt at the crew. I'm still not too sure uh, whether he is or not. Um, I'll have to, maybe if anyone, anyone, any listeners here might be able to crew, we'll wait and see. Um, yeah. but, now, the, the, the people in the know Gav might laugh at the question but I, I doubt the guys will be wearing uh, the vapor flies in that will they or is it just no just the normal shoes or is, no. is anybody tempted to go in the vapor flies to, to get around I quicker I can't imagine I can't imagine funny enough I only changed my road running shoe this um, this uh, straight after the UTMB I just felt like you know I was using a night two for a long time and you know, I just wasn't. I just, I just, I just wasn't feeling it. So I changed into um, the Hoka Clifton Eights, um, and I got it a size bigger. And and, and I'm loving running them, and I love running in them at the moment. Like they're plenty of cushion. I wouldn't. I rarely used to use cushion, but you know what? After the UTMB, I felt like I just need. I just need a bit of a break. So I'll try yeah. these for a while. So uh, yeah. I'll wear them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and is there any records, Gav, you're chasing or is there any position that you're after or, or just to kind of get through it? What, what are you thinking? Well, it's the Irish 24 hour champs. And uh, again, I have no experience in this kind of thing. So but you know yourself, I'm always optimistic when I go in. Um, as far as I know, um, Ed, I can't think of a second name now. The fella, Ian used to have the 24 hour record. I don't think he does anymore. I think Ed has it, and I think it's I think it's around um, two hundred and fifty kilometers. So that's just over ten k an hour. So I'd imagine I'm going to be going at that pace. Whether I can sustain it for twenty four hours, I do not know. We will. We shall see. Uh, <laughs> You're a bit like the postman, uh, Gav. You always tend to deliver um, with, with the results that we've seen over the last few years. So I wouldn't be surprised, mate, if you do, if you do get very, very close, if not take it. Um, but Gav, there's a couple of questions, Gav, that came in just on the Trail Running Ireland social media feed from a couple of people that, that know you and wanted to ask a couple of questions. So maybe just to, to finish off the interview, a couple of things that we maybe didn't cover through the course of the last 20 minutes or so. Um, Phil McCallan, Gav, was asking... How much hill work do you do in your training? Is it very structured? And do you make sure that you get a hill session in a week? Do you have a specific block of hill work that you do? Or, or how do you approach the hills? Um, yeah, from, 
for me, I try and get the, the long run in for sure um, on, on the Sunday or whatever. Not all the time, because sometimes it just doesn't work for me with the, with the way I work in that. But I try and get the long run in the hill on the Sundays. So that maybe three or four hours. That's one of the big ones. Um, and then, what? although I must say, that was what I was probably lacking this year. I, I didn't do enough hill work this year, I don't think. So that, yeah. this is ideally would be the long run on the Sunday. And then I, I we used to often go for a midweek social run on a Wednesday. So we were doing two hill sessions a week. Um, and that was basically, they were generally just easy, easy runs. Um, not too hard. And then every now and again, I might do, I might do a hard hill run, but not too often. Okay. Noel Cullen was asking, Gav, that if you did go back to UTMB, what time do you think you could do if everything did go according to plan? And I know that's such a hard question to answer because just there's so many things that can go wrong. It's such a tough course. So it's so hard to predict. Um, Inky did 28 hours and four minutes. I'm not too sure if that's the, the quickest time by an Irishman or not. You might know, Gav. But if you did like to do it again, I presume you'd like to go towards the 28-hour mark. Yeah, um, I, I, I reckon I could do under 27. I, I honestly think, like, that's optimistic. But I know, as far as I know, the Irish time, which is set by Inky, because I only had a discussion with them the day before, um, was 20, well, just under 25 hours, Inky. Wow. Okay. I don't yeah, know brilliant. whether, I'm not 100% sure whether that was the 170k loop that day, but because um, it is, that is an incredible time. But, um yeah, so I'd like to try and run under 27 or 28. I think I could do it at 27. Um, but, I mean, want to be having a good run, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Next one up, Gav, I have here is Owen Hughes was just asking about in Eco Trail. How yeah. much water did you carry at the start? And how much do you drink over the course? And I suppose, is there something, Gav, that you're very aware of as you're running in, in any ultra race, an eco trail, maybe in, in this particular case? Do you, do you make sure you're topped up on water, even on gels? Are, are you very focused on it? Not. I, I, I don't focus as much as some people, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but um, I start with a leader um, and I mix two high five sachets in. So each high five sachets has about 180 calories. So that's all I had at the start. And I had eight goo gels in my back pocket. And that's all I was racing with. So, And then I didn't, I had it in another leader. I skipped the first water station. Uh, so skipped that one and made it to 30K. Took a half a liter there. Um, half, maybe a liter on Roundwood. So that's two and a half liters. And then maybe a liter and a half on the way back so you're talking maybe four liters for the whole eight hours okay and then you you would have got through the eight gels as well yeah exactly yeah i got through i think it was eight goo gels so i think there's a hundred calories in each one yeah. so okay. yeah so that would have been 800 900 calories so um yeah. obviously you're running calorie deficient which we do all the time in ultra running no matter what way you look at it um, sure. And I'm sure you maybe you might have heard Ian in the last um, show, Gav, that Ian was saying that in UTMB, all he took on board was a Snickers bar over the whole, what, 28 hours and four minutes. Incredible. He's, a, he's, a, he's an incredible machine, isn't he? Yeah. That's like, I understand, like, that's just not for me. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, ha I have done it. I have done ultras and I can. I, I know I can run. 
without little or nothing for, for a long, long time. Um, I just prefer if I do eat because I just find the recovery process after the racing um, it goes a lot quicker if you eat during the races, all stuff like that. You're less tired after the race. There's loads of little things, you know, for me, for me. But, um, yeah, okay, okay. And then just the final one here, Gab. Um, a good friend of the show, Fabio, mentioned that he's observing that your shorts are getting shorter and shorter. And um, does that mean that you're getting faster and faster? <laughs> <laughs> I had my baggy shorts on in the, in the Eco Trail. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Yeah. You should have went for a shorter pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, yeah, the short ones. I don't wear the short, you know, the, the road racing shorts, as I call them. Uh, they're, 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 when you wear them in ultras, um, if you get a bit of chafe in them things, it's uh, in your side of the inside of your legs. Um, it's a disaster. That's why I like the ones, the dub twin skins. The clumpy yeah, twins. Okay. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, well, maybe I've just to finish off the the, the conversation and thanks, Emil, for joining us on the show again. And um, overall, Gav, how do you think trail running in Ireland is developing? And I know this is a big open question, and should we could be here all night? But just a couple, maybe a thoughts from you in terms of standard of racing, standard of athletes. Do you see things improving, or do we still have a bit to go? Do you think? What What are your feelings on it? Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely improving. That's for sure. And there's a lot more interest in the in the long distance over fifty mile races kind of thing, fifty mile and up races. Uh, and the times are getting faster, and the competition's getting a bit fierce. So you could see it in Eco Trail. There was six or seven lads at, at the front there. You wouldn't get that too often um, in, in, in fifty mile races. And it's good to see because it helps me improve as well. Um, because, I mean, I'll have to be at the top of my game. The more people that come to try and beat me, the, yeah. I'll have to improve. But then uh, there's a lot more races down in Munster. They, they're really good quality races. Same up in uh, Donegal. They have a few nice races. So all that kind of stuff is, is making things better. Uh, and then with Imra, obviously, doing a, a great job as well. So the standard is improving, but it's improving worldwide. So... Um, oh, it is absolutely yeah. across the board, yeah. And hopefully, maybe we might get more and more young trail runners into racing as well. Because I think there is a bit of a general trend that the, the profile of your mountain runner, trail runner, it is kind of you know pushing on into the late thirties, forties, fifties. So I think it would be super. And hopefully, anybody listening to the show today can share it with maybe their younger brother or you know young friends in their mid twenties to get them out to the hills early. So by the time yeah. they get to their early 30s and mid-30s, they're really pushing on rather than just starting, you know. So maybe hopefully that's something we'll see over the next little while. Yeah, we have some good lads in their early 20s and stuff that uh, they haven't up the distance yet, but we'll see in a few years' time when they start hitting 30. I can yeah. see them. Uh, yeah. doing well. Hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Gav, thanks a million. It's always great fun as always. Great to talk to you. And good luck with the recovery after Eco Trail, after UTMB. And good luck next week in Belfast. And uh, best of luck as you attack that Irish record. Cheers, Owen. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me again. Okay. Talk soon, mate. Catch you. Bye bye.
Well, that's a wrap for episode 36, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Gavin. What an inspiration he is and what an incredible natural talent. And who knows what Gavin will be capable of doing over the coming years. He's achieved so much and I think he's just going to keep on going from strength to strength. Thanks as always to Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland with some great tips on how to approach the base period. Good luck, guys, with your training over the next two or three weeks until our next episode. Thanks a million once again to all of our Patreon and if you would like to support the show please do check us out on patreon.com in the meantime guys keep on smiling as you're running let's get our running gear on let's go